This is Lieutenant Sulu of the Starship Enterprise, standing by on the bridge with the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Kelly, Kelly. Is it good? It's working this time. Awesome. Sorry, I had to completely reboot to get it to work. So that happens. Apologies. <laughs> so it's K E L L I, right? It's K E L I, just one L. Oh, just one L, just one L. Yeah, my parents can spell. Oh, yeah. hey, I'm right there with you. I got the one A going on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that a smiley face or a heart over the eye? Oh, neither. <laughs> yeah, it's too early for me. Ideology, All right. Ideology, ideology of madness. Ideology to you. Hello and welcome to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. And I'm Polly. And we've got a special guest with us today, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Yay! Hi. So uh, tell everybody who you are. I'm Kelly Wolf. I play <laughs> Kelly in uh, the Variants um, uh, web series, Variants.com. And I'm an actor, and I work at Zeus Comics on Wednesday. Eisner award-winning Zeus Comics. The best comic book store ever. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, well, I'm a big fan of theirs. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Were you a comic book reader before you started working at Zeus? Yes. I used to manage a different comic book store before working at Zeus um, a few years ago. So I managed them for a few years and then uh, headed over to find um, a desk job, oh, which was awful, and then left that. And uh, Zeus was nice enough. Richard and Barry were nice enough to take me under their wing and, and let me hang out on Wednesdays. So, so Zeus, is a, <laughs> Zeus is a safe place for you then? <laughs> I love it. I have the best time of it. Just hanging out and talking about stuff I love with everyone. How could that not be the best job? So before you went to work in comic book retail, were you were you reading comics? I was, yeah. Um, my dad would always pick up books wherever we were, uh, I guess to keep me quiet. So huh. <laughs> It was just random things, though. It never had any sequence or order because it was just whatever the store had. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Um, I like a lot of vertical stuff. Uh <laughs> Have y'all been reading Sweet Tooth? Oh yeah, I, I, I'm I am current on Sweet Tooth. I love that book. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, the Unwritten also. Well, I love that book. You do? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I love The Unwritten. That's a great one. Um, really interesting twists and turns. I, I like it. So. What What I like so. about uh, uh, Sweet Tooth is that it's a little bit like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, and a little bit like some kind of twisted fairy tale kind of thing. I mean, I just I really do enjoy that book. I did as well. And when I picked it up, I thought, oh, this will be really cute, you know, yeah. because the little boy in the cover eating a chocolate bar or whatever, and uh, totally blew my mind. Not not at all what I expected, but I loved right. it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I really like so. it. So you're you're kind of a vertigo person? Uh, yeah, I tend to go more towards the obscure <laughs> things that are, uh, the books that are a little uh, a little off. You don't know what to expect. Uh, so tell us about so, the variants. Uh, it's a uh, web series. We have five out now. The next one comes out uh, beginning of January. It's the first Wednesday of every month, and it's about life in the comic book store. Stuff we do, people that work there. Uh, Richard and Barry are in it, and they run Zeus. Uh, Richard's the owner. He's the creator of the show, along with Joe Cucinati and Ken Lowry. And they do not work in the store, but like the characters Joe and Lad, the stockroom guy. So... <laughs> um, it's pretty fun. We have a we have a blast. We had some amazing guest stars recently, and hope to have some more in the future. Yeah, it's just you know what happens when you leave the store. You get to find out what what we talk about, what goes on, and a little exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people ask me, you know, is, is Barry really that mean? And I have to tell them, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, he toned it down for the show. What? <laughs> Your sixth episode drops uh, the first Wednesday in January. Uh, how many uh-huh. episodes are y'all going to do in this first season? Ten. Ten. So y'all yes. have. And they already have them. Yeah, we already we have halfway through uh, six of films. Yeah, they're already scripted out. Uh, the creators know where they're going to go with this and how they're going to end the season. So it's really exciting. 
That's cool. That's cool. And I see that your viewership continues to grow, you know, episode over episode. It it does. And this last one, we had Scott Kurt, uh, who's just amazing, and Dave Coughlin, who also just mind-blowingly funny people. And, uh, yeah, the viewers kind of skyrocketed. Uh, they have a lot of fans, those guys. It was It was really exciting. It was really fun working with them, too. Well, and I understand that y'all have got, you know, creators and whatnot that are calling y'all up asking to be on. <laughs> Richard mentioned that. Yeah, he, I yeah. think he Twittered that some people asked and really flattering. It's really nice whenever you put yourself out there and people respond and they like it. <laughs> now, so, yeah, we're thrilled. Can we expect, you know, some big cliffhanger at the end of the series, like perhaps a dark Kelly saga? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> um. You know, unfortunately, you're talking to the actor and not the creators. So, uh, I, uh, I don't know anything till I get the script. <laughs> right. But well. I know they have, they have it planned out and, uh, they even have some, uh, ideas going for a second season. So it has, it has a place. Well, that's great. So, uh, you know, this is our, uh, episode that drops during the week of Christmas. And I know that everybody's busy doing their Christmas stuff right now, but I, I want to see Paul, uh, you know, have you been up to anything particularly Christmassy this week? Last minute Christmas shopping, really. Uh, <laughs> uh deep in the spirit, are you? <laughs> yeah, deep in the spirit of debt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been nice. You know, I haven't, I have stayed away from malls. And unfortunately, it's past the due date for the free shipping on Amazon.com. Yeah. So, yeah, now I'm paying the, the, the stupid shipping prices just so I don't have to go to a mall. I tell you what, uh, I was looking over my American Express bill, you know, that came in yesterday. And it's Amazon, Amazon, Amazon for all these things that I ordered for people for Christmas. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, Amazon.com should be happy with uh, with our customer relationship. <laughs> and and don't worry, Kelly, none of it was comics. So, you know. Oh, good. All good, stuff yeah. Suits, suits. <laughs> I know a good story you can pick those up at. Great. <laughs> what about you, Kelly? You doing a bunch of Christmas stuff right now? I'm I'm pretty close to being done. I started last week, though. Uh-huh. So uh, I kind of freaked out. But, yeah, I just have a few gift cards to get, and then uh, I'll be finished. Yay. Yeah, very exciting. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I am a total Christmas nerd. You know, the the house has been decorated since the day after uh, Thanksgiving and two Christmas trees, lights on the house, nutcrackers in every room, <laughs> you know, and we've been going out and seeing a couple of Christmas concerts. Like, for instance, uh, last Sunday, we went and saw a uh, uh, festival of nine lessons and carols over at Park City's uh, United uh, Park City's Presbyterian in Dallas. And then night before last, we went to a handbell concert and, you know, I actually play handbells, but this wasn't really, yeah, I don't, I'm not in a, in a choir right now, but I have played handbells in the past. So it was kind of nice to see a real handbell choir. Cause this is actually a professional handbell choir as opposed to you know my little church choir. And what was cracking me up or what I found particularly uh, fascinating was, you know, how they, you know, are, are just so professional in the way they ring their bells. In fact, I noticed that when they mess up a note, they didn't do what I do because normally what I do is, God damn it, <laughs> when, I, when I hit the wrong bell or shit, you know, and they don't do that. So I was really impressed with the high level of professionalism in the professional <laughs> handbell choir. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that can kind of, you know, mess up the, uh, the atmosphere of a, uh, of a, uh, Christmas themed, uh, church handbell concert. So anyway, so it's very, very, very interesting. Well, in keeping with our Christmas theme today, we're going to talk a little bit about recommended Christmas gift giving for the geek in your life. And so uh, we've got we've got some selections that we'd like to, to share with you all today. So uh, first off, we're going to let Kelly throw out the first gift that she'd recommend to you. Hmm. Well, the first thing I would say, what I really like getting um, gift cards <laughs> to uh, oh, this is good. Uh, and it's going to sound like I'm plugging Zeus. Um, I always love it when I got gift cards to my comic book store because it takes my pull list for like a month. Uh-huh. And that was really convenient. It saved me a lot of money and I could buy something that I wouldn't necessarily and could try different things out. So, uh, I was, I was always a big fan of that. Even when I worked in the store, I recommended people just give me gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I used to uh, back when I was in high school and college. I, I, people would say, "What do you want?" I want to. I want a gift card to the comic shop, and I would like come out with like, you know, everybody giving me gift cards and whatnot, and it would always be like you know, two, three hundred dollars worth of comic shop gift cards. And you nice. know, had I been smart, I'd have paced that out, you know, and just used right. it for, for my for my pull list every week. But, you know, actually what I did was, how can I spend all that this week? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's always that, like, hardcover that you had your eye on. That's right. That was just too much. But it's not real money if it's a gift card. That's so. right. That's yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> absolute edition, right? That's right. That's right. You know? Absolutely. Well, how about you, Paul? <laughs> well, my first suggestion was going to be a video game, Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, I actually got it for my birthday, which was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I popped it in last night for the first time. Uh, I popped it in around 7, and the next time I looked at the clock, it was midnight, and my wife was asleep. <laughs> and uh, all the lights in the house were off, and I didn't even notice. And <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I have to wake up early tomorrow. Let me go to bed. And then I woke up, and I popped the game back in. Um, you know, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're a comic, you know, a comic fan, a Batman fan, or just like good video games, you know, Arkham Asylum, it's available for the PlayStation 3. In the Xbox 360, and it, you know, there's a lot of hype around it being probably the best comic book game of all time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff from back in the 80s and early 90s, you know, little arcade games and things like that. But, you know, I'd say for at least 10 years, this game definitely has it. It is probably one of the best superhero games I've ever played. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's, you know, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect Batman video game, and I, I would highly recommend it. I lost a lot of friends to that game. When it came out, I didn't hear from them for like a month. <laughs> they were all playing, and they would talk to each other because they wanted to know how far they got and what was coming up. But uh, and they yeah, I heard nothing but really good things about it. Yeah, well, I wasn't playing, so <laughs> I wasn't in the loop. That is so but mean. it sounded awesome. Uh. What happened? Yeah, you know, this morning, you know, last night I said I played for like five hours, and then this morning when I loaded it up, I was like, man, I've got to be like at least halfway through this game, and it's at ten percent. Wow, serious? (laughs) That's great. I died a lot, or it's a really long game. Well, hopefully, it's a really long game. I'm really enjoying it. But uh, what about you, Mister Head? What 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 would you like for Christmas? Well, I I I actually uh, I think everything I'm talking about are things that I already have. (laughs) <laughs> that I'm recommending. <laughs> like, for instance, uh, my, my first recommendation is something I've talked about on the website um, is game supplement or setting supplement for Savage Worlds the day after Ragnarok. I have it both in uh, the PDF edition as well as the uh, print edition. And it is a terrific supplement for Savage Worlds. It, it is a complete setting. It is ready to run games right out of the book. It's, it is set in a world in which the Norse end of the world, Ragnarok, occurs in the uh, waning days of World War II. And so uh, it's all set in this post-World War II world of the 1950s where magic is in the world and it's all post-apocalyptic and you've got uh, uh, Norse giant mutant creatures wandering the earth, all kinds of monsters and all kinds of Cold War uh, uh, thriller kinds of aspects to the game. And it is just a, just a hoot and a half. And it is probably the the best gaming supplement that I've seen in years. Uh, it's written by Ken Height from Atomic Overmind Press, and it's just fantastic. And I saw uh, earlier this month a new supplement for this setting came out uh, for Tehran for gaming that is set in the uh, Persian part of the world in this setting. Uh, just looks terrific. I, I just I, I absolutely love this this book. You know, we gave away a couple of copies on the site, and uh, I just think it's it, it's a it's a terrific terrific setting. So there you go. Go get it. Um, okay, Kelly, what's your next? One? See, it's just like we're opening gifts under the tree. Oh, it is. Um, this is gonna go for guys that want to get their girlfriends into graphic novels or to check out their comic book collection. Uh-huh. Uh, blanket. The graphic. Graphic novel Blanket. Blanket. Have y'all read that? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with it. Craig Thompson. It's amazing. Uh, it was somebody gave it to me um, to read, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Fell in love with the characters. It's so good, and I've given it to lots of girls who are kind of like, "Oh, you work in a comic book store, you know?" And <laughs> they didn't really get it. I'm like, "Read this. <laughs> you will love it." And they kind of get hooked. I think it's a really good gift to give the girls to to bring them in. 
Huh. It's one of my all-time favorites. And what's the story about? Uh, it's uh, your first love. It's uh, a guy going around and uh, not really fitting in and finding someone that fits with him, and it's uh, their relationship. It kind of, I mean, it goes through his childhood a little bit too, but it, it really uh, him confronting his faith and uh, and your first love. It's, <laughs> I feel like that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there are there any zombies in this book? <laughs> Not yet, but I did read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. They're putting in everything, so give it time. <laughs> now, is this the one by is this the one by Craig Thompson? It is. Okay. It's I, you know, Craig I, Thompson, yeah. I, I looked it up while you were talking about it, and I, I have seen it. Mm-hmm. I have heard about it, but I haven't heard a lot about it, so I have to check that out. Oh yeah, it's, it's one of my all time favorites. Uh, I've bought it a few times because keep giving it to people, so <laughs> letting them borrow it and ends up in Missouri or something. So. uh yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorites, and it's a it's a good recommendation for somebody that uh, that is kind of like wanting to dip their toes into the medium. So I like it. <laughs> well, well, Paul, can you top that? I, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I my next suggestion is going to be Watchmen: The Ultimate Cut. Um, it's for nice. all those imp- yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of impatient bastards like me who knew it was coming out. And still bought Watchmen when it was first released on DVD or Blu-ray. I'm raising and, my uh, hand over here. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, you know, you open the box and the very first thing you see is an ad for the Ultimate Cut coming out in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was frustrating. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing us impatient bastards don't like doing, it's double dipping. So, you know. You get it for the fan who bought the original and refuses to buy the sec- the ultimate cut, even though it's definitely probably better. Uh, definitely probably, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, you know, and uh, for those who, who don't know, uh, Watchmen the Ultimate Cut not only incorporates uh, new footage uh, that wasn't in the theatrical cut, it also incorporates an animated side story um, that actually took place in the original Watchmen novel, incorporates it all, and has like two more discs worth of bonus features. I think it's four discs in all. Um, it's on, on Blu-ray and DVD. I haven't seen it. It's on my Christmas list because, you know, I don't want to double dip. But if someone were to buy it for me, I wouldn't be opposed. So it's okay for your wife to double dip on your behalf. Exactly. <laughs> you know, as long as she doesn't do it with my credit card, it's not the same. You know? <laughs> nice. Well, you know, I watched the uh, was it the Tales of the Black Friday? Is that what that's called? Yeah, I watched that a couple of weeks ago because I, I hadn't seen the the DVD of it, and uh, I did not care for it. I did not care for the uh, for it all in one piece. Whereas I really enjoyed the story broken up within the Watchmen uh, graphic novel. So I'm wondering how I will like it because I it's not really. You know, Alan Moore didn't design that thing to be told all in one chunk, um, and so I'm kind of I'm curious to see how it works in the uh, the ultimate DVD. So, uh, Kelly, have you seen it yet? Uh, not the ultimate. I, I saw, of course, Watchmen in the theater a few times. It was awesome. <laughs> right, well, we're we're gonna. Need I you loved to, it. So we're gonna need you to go watch that and come back and tell us what you thought. So I definitely will. <laughs> if anybody wants to get that for uh, for me for Christmas, you know, <laughs> feel free. Get my way. Check okay. it out and give you my review. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, my next up is the Starman Omnibus Hardcover. And uh, what this is, is it's taking the entire Jack Knight Starman series from the 90s and uh, putting them all in, in six hardcover uh, volumes. I think like the first volume contains 17 issues of the first 17 issues of the run. Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Starman and what James Robinson did there. It is a just completely unique story with telling a hero's arc from beginning to end. There are elements in that story that are, you know, suggested and kind of the foundation laid in the first six or so issues that resolve at the very end of the series. And the whole it's one big story and it's a one big journey and it is just an outstanding story read from beginning to end and i just recently completed my starman collection and so now i'm going god i've got you know i've got my my complete starman do i want to get the omnibus because the omnibus is just beautiful it's beautiful hardcover and just terrific terrific paper i i I, and i've got it's kind of like the same thing with you paul you do you really want to double dip i'm lusting after it that is the the, the word to use lusting 
after the omnibus. Uh, they're just beautiful. They're just beautiful. And like I said, the Starman is just such a, a wonderful story. So it's forty nine ninety nine for each omnibus. And so if you're doing the math, what is that? $300 if you buy all six volumes. So, you know, help out a geek. Give them the story because <laughs> they can't afford it on their own. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm looking at it really hard, but uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't see yeah. that. In, I don't see that in the future for me when I've when I've got my full collection now. So I was that podcasting yeah. paycheck just isn't enough to cover it. It, it really isn't. It really yeah. isn't. But you know, maybe when the <laughs> podcast bonus check comes in, because I'm expecting that in the first quarter, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah. I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Kelly. Oh. So, uh, what's your next? Let's see another one. Hmm. I uh, y'all ever read Geek Magazine? I have never read Geek. Have y'all? It is one of my favorites. I love it. Subscription Geek Magazine. It gives it gives you what's coming out, music, uh, toys, all kinds of things. It covers comics, it covers uh, movies, and uh, everything for the geek in your life. Huh. Um, it's really one of my favorites. I'm sad y'all didn't hear of it. <laughs> <laughs> is is it a monthly? But yeah, it, it is a monthly. Huh. Yeah, it's, I mean it's always really random, which is good because that's my taste. Really, um, <laughs> it covers just all kinds of different things. So last February, it did a whole thing on a uh, Valentine's Day in Japan, uh, which which I didn't help me out in life at all. But it's good to know. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just really fun. Uh, Really fun magazine. Uh, it has interviews with, uh, you know, Jeannie Garofalo, uh, Paul Rudd, various geeks in, um, in Hollywood or, uh, in music and, and what they're into. I really like it. So well, that's mine. <laughs> Paul. Check that out, actually. Um, it's my, good. yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like something I'd read because I'm a geek. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it isn't no. title, so. Say it isn't so, Paul. I know. I'm ashamed. Ashamed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my final choice or third choice or final choice is Richard Starks Parker the Hunter um, adapted and illustrated by Darwin Cook now nice. I talked about this yeah I love this book I talked about it on the show I don't know sometime in the first couple of episodes or whenever it came out um, this is probably my favorite original graphic novel of the year uh, it is an adaptation of The Hunter by Richard Stark um, which is a, a crime novel, uh, the first of many crime novels by Richard Stark featuring the Parker character. Um, now, for those who are unfamiliar with the story, uh, basically Parker is an, he's, he's a criminal who's basically been screwed over by his girlfriend and his criminal partners, and he's coming back to get revenge. And, um, you know, you may have seen the story adapted as Payback. Uh, the Mel Gibson movie, Payback. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on the same novel as The Hunter. Obviously, a lot of creative liberties were taken in Payback, but um, this is a faithful adaptation of the original novel, and whether you like comics or not, or you know someone who likes com- who doesn't like comics but loves crime novels or loves crime movies like Heat or like Payback, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect for them, you know, it's it's you know it's hard boiled. It's noir. It's beautiful to look at. The art is very stylized, very Art Deco. Darwin Cook is you know the Eisner Award winning artist who did you know uh, the New Frontier for DC. He recently did a Jonah Hex issue. He's fantastic. He's a great writer, a great artist, and like I said, I can't recommend The Hunter enough. Um, it's from IDW Publishing, and you can pick it up probably at any comic book shop. Yeah, that that is a, a beautiful book. I've 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 drooled over it several times. It's very very nice. Yeah. yeah thanks. So, Paul, did I, I? I know I shouldn't ask, but did you get that for me for Christmas? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. Unexpected on the twenty fifth. Well, for my last choice, I'm going to recommend the Ultimate Toolbox. It is also another uh, role playing game supplement. This one's from AEG. It's not for uh, uh, any particular game system. What it is is it's a bunch of story hooks. And random generation. I mean, it's a huge, chunky book. It's 400 pages of just ideas, you know, for for the poor game master who's just 
run out of things to uh, to throw at his players, or uh, if you're you know it backed into a corner and you're not sure what to what to do, it's got tables for missions and rope knots and tavern menus and alcohol and noble power sources. I mean, it's just everything you could possibly think of. They've got a a, a a table in here for it or a suggestion or a story hook. And like I said, it's, it's not a uh, tied to any particular system. It's just a whole book of ideas so that you don't have to be bothered with thinking. Uh, <laughs> this is This is great for the busy game master. Um, I really do think this is a, a nifty book. It's a little pricey though. Um, it's a, it's a 49 95 book, uh, but I think it's worth it. It is 400 pages of just margin to margin information. I mean, they, there isn't any, uh, fluff in here. I mean, it just from the get go, it starts giving you stuff to use. If you want to look a, a little bit more for it, just go to www.alderac, A-L-D-E-R-A-C.com. You can see all about it and I'll put a link in the show notes, but really a very, very nice book for or uh, the game master in your life. You know, if you were to buy everything that we just talked about, all nine gifts, for the geek in your life, they would be very, very happy. <laughs> just think about how they tickled would. you'd be if, if all of that was under the tree for you on Christmas morning. I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle that, yeah. 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 Well. All righty. We have some time to talk about new comics. Do you have time to stick with us, Kelly, or do you need to scoop? I, um, I actually have to probably scoot. I'm so okay. sorry. Oh, not a problem. <laughs> I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Well, thanks for having me. I, I hope it was, uh, it was good. It was. Um, I was up all night LARPing last night, so uh, I'm on no sleep whatsoever. Who were you LARPing? <laughs> what game were you LARPing? Nero. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, there's a North Texas chapter that meets once a month, and uh, I was out in the middle of nowhere till about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what kind of what kind of, what kind of setting is that? Um, it's in the middle. Uh, we're playing at Camp Elway. Uh, it's you know there's a oh gosh there's there's a little bit of everything. I'm being I'm playing mother uh-huh. who uh, is an infected human that's come to um, wreak havoc on the town. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I worked with a director who got me into it. Who said he needed someone and uh, he needed someone to be evil, and he thought of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what that says, but uh, I was up for it, and it's fun, and uh, it was fun to go around and, and torture these guys, and yeah, that was <laughs> that and, was my night. And so the game is called Nero N E R O. Uh huh. Okay, cool. I've not ever heard of that. Yeah. Check it out. Are you y'all y'all ever go LARPing? I have. N- Are I y'all have, into live action role playing? I have never LARPed, but I, I don't judge the LARPing as some people do. In fact, I'd actually I'd actually be interested in doing one uh, that that sounded like fun. So I, I've yeah. never done it, but you know I don't live anywhere near you guys, so I don't even know what the hell they do out here for that kind of stuff. Yeah, Paul's all the way up in Virginia. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Well, we have lots of lots of uh, land out there. I'm sure that there's someone meeting. True. You have to find you, your group. Did, did you hear that? Paul lives in Virginia. Oh. Oh, wow. That's sorry. Hey, come down. You'll come play today. But I don't think you'll make it from Virginia all the way to here. No. So. It's a trap. Well, probably well, Ke- not. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. We'd like to have you back. Thanks sometime. for having me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. Good deal. You guys have a very Merry Christmas. You too, Kelly. We'll chat with you later. All righty. Bye-bye. We got a bye bye. <laughs> well, I, it was great having Kelly on, but now let's get into talking about some comic books. Indeed. Now, indeed. now that she's gone. Yeah. Now that now that now that the ladies are gone. That's right. Man, talk. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Men are talking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let, let, let me break out my 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 cigar. That's right. That's and right. my whiskey. And your pornography. And my pornography. <laughs> no, I'll wait till after the show. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a Blackest Night update this week. We do. and Strangely enough. Shocking that we are talking about Blackest Night on our show. Green Lantern Corps number 43 came out this week. The book rocked. I liked it. I did like it very much. I, I, I thought that Guy Gardner's transformation to a Red Lantern was completely organic to the story. Mm-hmm. I thought it made all the sense in the world. I was actually a little surprised at the ending of this book. Can we spoil this book, Paul? Spoilers on. Okay. So uh, I was a little surprised that they resurrected Kyle Rayner. 
I was too. I actually. really thought at the end of the last issue that they were just going to leave Kyle dead. I mean, that's that is why that 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 death had so much resonance for me. So I was like, holy crap, they're getting rid of my favorite lantern, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so it was it was completely surprising to me that in the very next issue they brought him back. But I don't have a problem with how they brought him back. No, in fact, it, you know, that's one thing I can say about this issue that I haven't felt about any of the Blackest Night uh, books so far. This felt almost like a turning point for me. Yeah. It, it, it felt hopeful. It felt like the good guys finally had something going their way. Um, at the end of the book, Mogo shows up to help them, to help the Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it felt like, you know, this is the point in the, the battle in which the good guys you know, start fighting back and, you know, start getting, you know, start doing what they need to do. And, uh, you know, that's even though it's Red Lantern Guy Gardner on the cover and, you know, it took a tragedy for him to become a Red Lantern. Mm-hmm. Really, the end of the book was, you know, you know, they said, oh, Guy's a Red Lantern. Ah, we'll get him out of it. You know, it, it, it's like, it, you know, it feels hopeful, which yeah. I, I think I actually liked about the issue. Well, and, you know, we had recently talked about how we had liked some of the recent portrayal of like Atrocitus as a Red Lantern, that it just wasn't him yakking up red stuff on people and, and being all ragey. And what I liked about uh, Guy being a Red Lantern is he was actually, you know, using his Red Lantern powers to create constructs. And we've really yeah. not seen I don't think we've seen any of that in any of the other Red Lanterns. Not that you know, I know of. They've you just know, been usually just the Yeah. Know. They've been whomping on stuff and yakking up on them. So I I really liked that. And I gotta tell you, pencils and inks here again are just outstanding you know patrick gleason and then you know you've got rebecca uh, buckman uh tom Wynn, and gleason himself doing the inks and this book is beautiful once again in fact there's that one page where uh guy has got i don't those hooks on the chains and he's got a green one going and a red one going that mm-hmm. is an awesome page yeah I, I just really like that and then of course you know the very dramatic him about to yak stuff up on people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what one thing I liked about it and you know it's not something that I noticed in uh in all of Gleason's artwork it was very clean. The artwork yeah. was very clean. There wasn't you know there wasn't yeah. it wasn't very busy. There was a lot going on. Yeah. But you know it was it was very, you know, I don't know. I I guess there is no other word other than clean. Yeah. Um you know you, it's you very tight. It's very tight. I mean, you're right. You know, there's never that question going, what in the world am I looking at? The scene where uh, Guy rips off one of Crib's arms and then stuffs it down the guy's throat. Oh, I love that scene. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just awesome. That's and then awesome. in the next shot, you see Guy Gardner whipping around Crib by his or her neck yeah. with the arm sticking out of her mouth. Great stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I actually really – it's a lot of fun to stick someone's arm down their throat. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, who doesn't want to do that? So uh, you would be a Red Lantern. Red Lantern Aaron Head. Oh, I told – my rage would keep me warm in the wintertime. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh Especially this morning. Um, God, we had uh, one tech, or I had one technical problem after another. The the recording software wasn't working, and then once I got that working, my internet crashed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at least it worked out, and we had Kelly on the show. That's right. Excellent. Well, uh, again, uh, Green Lantern Corps number forty three. Really, a very strong book. Yeah. Really? Now, I, 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 that was the only Black Lantern book. Black. Blackest Night book I read, but was there another one? Yeah, I read um, uh, Justice League of America number 40, and I think this is actually the final issue with the old team. And that's like, you know, Zaytana and I always forget their names, uh, <laughs> Plastic Man and the chick that's kind of like Animal Man. I forget her name. Uh, uh, we, we refer to them as the B team around yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you go to the strip club on a Sunday morning. That's <laughs> Paul, what in the world are you doing at a strip club on Sunday morning? <laughs> Shouldn't you be at worship services? <laughs> I was speaking uh, metaphorically. But I do think that this is the uh, the very last episode of that, uh, very last book of that. You know, Plastic Man has been reduced to nothing. Do- the the Camillo, the Lady Doctor Light, uh, you know, beat the undead Doctor Light, and everybody 
well, not everybody, most everybody beat their, uh, their Black Lantern villain in this book. But man, it put a major wampum on that Justice League team. I mean, you look at the last page and only one person is conscious. Um, and it, it has a very definitive the end at the end of it. So I think that the next book is actually kicking off the, the new team, the new roster. Uh, okay. At least I'm hopeful that it is. Um, book is written by James Robinson, illustrated by Mark Bagley. It was good. <laughs> it was it, good. I, I enjoyed the book. But, you know, again, it's a lot of the same story that we've seen throughout all of the Black Lantern books um, where, you know, the 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 blackest the Black Lanterns scare the scare the heroes, unsettle the heroes. They're not able to be heroic and then they get that resolve and they're able to be heroic. And I mean, I don't understand what's going on at D.C. around these storylines. Um but somebody should have said, you know, we've kind of told that story about 12 different times now <laughs> and, and yeah. really only a few that have been worth reading. So I enjoyed the book. James Robinson brings a lot of heart and character to these to, to, to these characters. But uh, was it worth the three ninety nine? I would say no. Uh, I hear there is a lot of Dr. Light attempted rape in that issue. Oh, a ton of it. A ton of it. And, you know, I have to say it was it was rather unsettling that the zombie Dr. Light just got this major hard on for everybody. And, you know, he, he essentially has her clothes off, you know, from, from their conflict midway through the book. And, and actually on the very last page, she is stark naked, you know, and that's one thing that is the only thing that came out of identity crisis that I don't like, you know, I don't mind that Dr. Light became the character that he did during that series. So you're saying uh, you support rape. No, I'm not. I don't support <laughs> rape. <laughs> I'm just saying, for the needs of that story, taking a bumbling character and giving him a reason to be a bumbling character, that he was vicious and he was mind wipe and made stupid, mm -hmm. makes sense to me. But, you know, like, uh, uh, every appearance of him since then has seen him in some type of sexually deviant manner. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally every appearance that and I, I can think of. And I agree. I think it's much more creepy on the villain side or much more evil on the villain side not to be a raving maniac 24 hours a day yeah you know i he, it's a it's a lot more effective to be the maniac in surprising moments you know in quiet moments versus just really essentially he's just drooling all the time now and you know i'm i'm gonna get up in you <laughs> you know <laughs> and i i just i i like I want to make sure and clarify what I'm saying here. I thought Identity Crisis was a terrific story and you know had a lot of emotional impact and resonance. The way that subsequent writers have depicted Dr. Light, uh, I have not much cared for. Because it's all Dr. Light says, I'm going to rape you. I am going to rape you. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's almost like his battle cry, rape! <laughs> Yeah, essentially. It makes him a one-note character, really and does. the note is not really, you know. Yeah, but he's dead now, so, you know, we yeah. don't have to talk about him. So if there's one thing to be learned from Justice League of America number 40, is that Twilight is wrong, and sex with a dead person is not a good thing. That is correct. Indeed. That is correct. In fact, you know, in the previous uh, issue, the current Dr. Light walks in on the undead Dr. Light. While he is licking the skull of, gosh, what's her name? The 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 female counterpart to to Firestorm who died and got turned to a block of salt. Oh yeah, I don't remember her name. He's uh, using her skull like a salt lick. <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> and he actually makes a comment to uh, to Camillo in this book. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, here we go. Uh, I still had the salt of Firestorm's girly on my tongue, but when I licked your lips. They were savory sweet. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now that we've brought this to an uncomfortable place. <laughs> yeah. What, the backseat of a Volkswagen? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, Justice League 41 is the uh, start of the new Justice League era. In fact, from the DC.com DC or DCComics.com, it says the JLA have been getting a pound 
astounding in the last couple of months. Again, with the uh, rape metaphors. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but no more. The team regroups with a new roster that will transcend time and space. Make way for the world's greatest heroes. Batman, Green Lantern, The Atom, Green Arrow, Donna Troy, The Guardian, Cyborg, Monel, Starfire, Dr. Light, and yes, Congorilla. So, very exciting. Yeah. And there'll be like two it. covers to that one. There'll be a Mark Bagley cover and a... Uh, Oh, no, they're, they're both Mark Bagley covers. Cover A will feature Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Cover B features uh, Batman and Monel. There you go. Something to look forward to. Yeah. For $3.99 on January 20th. <laughs> well, before we move on to our Batman update. What? What? We're deviating? We're deviating? Yeah, we, briefly. Briefly. I'm uncomfortable with this, but okay. I have a question for you. Uh-oh. As we record our podcast, do you sit down or do you stand up? I do a little of both. You know, I've noticed that recording the podcast is like my Parkinson's, I guess. <laughs> I, I cannot sit still. I am literally, I, I literally pace the 10 feet of my office the entire time we are recording. Really? Yep. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's something wrong with me. I, I would venture to say that that is the case. I mean, I can sit still during a movie. I guess I just can't sit still while I'm listening to you talk. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that is. I'm sure that's exactly what it is. That I get you so excited down there that uh, <laughs> you got you got to move. You got the ants in your pants. Ah, see, all right, Doctor Light. It's time for the Batman <laughs> update. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so speaking of uncomfortable. <laughs> I read four Batman books this week. Oh, Paul. Four. I almost bought Batman this week. And you I, know what? Only 50% of them were good. Well, you know, I reached up to get it because I've been in the habit of, you know, during the uh, Judd Winnick run of getting it. And I reached up to grab it going, why isn't this in my pull list? And then I, I saw who was writing it and I go, oh, that's why. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm waiting. Not, th- not that I'm disparaging the writer. Far from it. It's just I'm waiting for Winnick. No, you know what? I'm disparaging the writer. Oh! <laughs> Batman 694 was a POS. Point of sale? Yeah, a point of sale. <laughs> um, <laughs> the S stands for crap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's written by Tony Daniel, uh, written and drawn by Tony Daniel. I think uh, pens by Sandu Floria. Uh, inks by Sandu Floria. Uh-huh. And uh, it is atrocious. The art is actually really good. But the book is atrocious. There's there's too much going on, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't flow. It doesn't make sense. It's very jarring. Um, you know, I, I find myself literally, you know, if someone pops up at the beginning of the book and they pop up again like halfway into the book, I don't know who they are when they pop up again halfway into the book. That's how disjointed it is, it feels. Um, it feels like I'm reading five different comic books jammed into 22 pages. Really? Yeah, I, I, you know, and I like Tony Daniel. I think his art's great. I actually really liked Battle for the Cow. I am not liking what he's doing on Batman right now. So I, uh, I can't recommend Batman 694. In fact, uh, if anything, I might actually, based on the quality of this issue, I might really just wait till when it comes back. Huh. I, I just, you know, and the sad thing is I really like Tony Daniel's art. He has some beautiful pages of art in this issue. I cannot stand the writing. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't my thing when I read the first issue in that, but uh, uh, I'm sorry to hear that it's not you know doing better. Yeah. Well, you know, there were two good Batman books this week. Before I get into my 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 finale of Batman, hmm. uh, Bat- Batman Confidential number thirty nine. Mm-hmm. This is the conclusion of the Blackhawk storyline that I've been talking about for the last couple of months. Um, written by Royal McGraw, art by Marcos Mars. I will say, um, out of the four issues uh, that the tail took to take, took to take, took tail to took to tell. tail took to take, take, take. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was the weakest issue. Uh-huh. Um, however, it was a good issue, and uh, I-, I would recommend you know when they release it, the story as a trade, definitely pick it up. It's actually a pretty good tale. You know, Batman and Blackhawk and Lady Blackhawk, and you know, lots of good stuff. I actually really liked it. Um, again, but the, the final issue, issue 39, was probably the weakest of the bunch. Huh. 
Now, I also read Batman Streets of Gotham number seven, which is written by Paul Dini, art Uh by Dustin Wen, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It is now. If you want to talk about uncomfortable, (laughs) (laughs) Paul Dini is kind of setting up. It's kind of funny because it's almost written like a TV season. Because you've got like the main Batman storyline going on, right? And you've also got like some subplots going on, including the buildup of a big bad. Um, and the big bad, I guess, in this season, <clears throat> Streets of Gotham, is Mister Zaz, right? Who is essentially, for all intents and purposes, building up uh, like a children's fight club. Um, so I, I he, think that sounds awesome. I would so go to a children's fight club. Because, I mean, God, I mean, who doesn't want to kick the tar out of an eighth grader? Oh, or, no joke. Or a six-year-old. I mean, <laughs> God, that sounds awesome, Paul. Why haven't we done this? I don't know. I mean, my on my bucket list is to kick a fat kid in the stomach. So, <laughs> Yeah, I am so there with you. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we are uh, New Year's resolution. We are starting Children's Fight Club. <laughs> Children's Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, Zaz is starting up this fight club, and basically it's, you know, you fight against this other kid, whoever wins has to take on Mr. Zaz. (laughs) If you win against Mr. Zaz, you get your freedom. Well, of course we know how that's going to end. Yeah. Um, You know, and in addition, there's a story, a side story with um, Humpty Dumpty, the villain Humpty Dumpty, who is... It, it, which also involves uh, dead children, so it, it's a it's a very dead children happy Christmas issue of uh, Streets of Gotham. Now it is a very dark issue, um, you know. It, 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 it's a very serious. It's very mature for a, a Batman book. Yeah, uh, but it, it's actually it, it is great. I do love Paul Dini's writing on this title. I love the art. Um, you know, if you're in the mood for a good Batman title, and it does have Batman and Robin. You know, definitely highly recommend you pick this up. Just like when Grant Morrison was on Batman and Paul Dini was on Detective Comics, that's kind of what I'm seeing again. Really? The, the Batman title mm-hmm. kind of sucks. Paul Dini's work is really good. Yeah. So Batman Streets of Gotham number seven, uh, I, I do recommend picking it up. Uh, and I know Mr. if you're especially I like Mr. Zaz, who's one of my favorite Batman villains. Uh, I know he's just a serial killer, but he's creepy and uh I like the way you know he he interacts with Batman, so I really like this storyline, and I, I'm very excited to see where it goes. I'm a little concerned about your phrase "just a serial killer." Just a serial killer. Just, just a serial killer. Yeah, I mean, they ain't so bad. So you know, Joseph Stalin, just a mass murderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if he was a Batman villain, he would be okay. <laughs> Joe Stalin versus the Batman. Dun dun dun. I would totally read that book. <laughs> and I guess we kind of already have in Red Rain, <laughs> not Red Rain, Red Sun. <clears throat> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, now I do want to say, speaking of uh, Joe Stalin versus Batman, it was Batman versus me this week uh, because I read Batman: The Eighty-Page Giant. Gotham freezes over. Oh, that looked like hell. I I picked it up because there were a bunch of different stories, and I wanted to check it out. And you know, some of the writers, you know, seemed okay, and the art seemed pretty decent. Oh my God! What yeah. an what a piece of shit! Yeah. This is probably the worst comic book I have read all year. <laughs> it is that bad, yeah. uh, and I'm I, this is insultingly bad. I'm gonna just go over a couple of examples of how bad this issue is. Sure. All right, it's Gotham City, and in the, you know uh, there's a snowstorm going on, much like there is on the East Coast today. Um, now it says the wind chill is uh, 50 below zero. A wind chill factor of 50 below zero. In Gotham. In Gotham. Okay, yeah, first of all, has there ever been a wind chill of 50 below zero in America ever? I wouldn't think in the continental United States. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> you know, not since the Ice Age. Yeah. Um, has I, I believe there have been a 50 below zero uh, wind chill factor in, anywhere in America. <laughs> yeah. Um, in addition to that, you see people walking around in regular clothing. I mean, literally, like, there's a guy walking down the street in a dress shirt and slacks. Robin is still in his regular his regular outfit, 
people are walking around, faces uncovered, you know, just walking around, talking and doing stuff and doing battle and things like that in a 50 below zero environment. Yeah. Wouldn't your flesh just kind of, you know, you know, blister off your body at the, at at that temperature? Yeah, Yeah. I would think so. Uh, So (laughs) that's the first insult. Yeah. Second, there are like grammatical and not, I wouldn't say spelling errors, but mostly (laughs) grammatical errors all throughout the book. Uh, people say one word and it should be another word, things like that. Right. That's all throughout the book, which uh, there's also a story in here involving Alfred and Alfred picks a hooker up off the street. Huh. Alfred, <laughs> way to go. And this is how insultingly bad the story is. Alfred, Alfred Pennyworth, the, the Alfred that we know, picks up a hooker off the street, takes her to a high society party and dances with her on the floor. And it's surprised when people insult her, even though she's wearing fishnet stockings and a pink tank top in the snow, by the way, and, and a short skirt in, in 50 below weather. Um, so he takes her to a, a, a high society you know, ball and then takes her back up to the room where you find out, oh, he doesn't want to have sex with her. He wants to save her. So basically he gives her a ton of money sends her on a bus and, you know, gets her away from the city so that she can live a normal non-prostitutional life. And then he says, this is how I continued the dream of Bruce. Mm. <laughs> really? Ah, <laughs> uh, sigh. It, 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 it's just, it is there. And those are just the first two stories. This book is insultingly bad. And to top it all off, they set up this 50 below weather. Right. This big snowstorm. Well, and I, I need to clarify something. It's a wind chill of 50 below. So it just feels like 50 below. Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> they set up this wind chill of 50 below. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, unnatural weather, this huge snowstorm raging through Gotham. And it's not resolved in the book. It's it's at the end of the book. It's still the snowstorm. You know, it's not like you see them come out of the snowstorm and rebuild Gotham. It's literally like here are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight stories that take place in a snowstorm that have some Batman cast in them. They're not connected by any thread. There's no resolution to the overall snowstorm story. It's literally a waste of time and a piece of shit. I hated, hated, hated it. And I almost didn't buy it. I really was not going to buy it, but you know, the, the comic shop guy was like, do you want to flip through it? You know, and I was like, I'll take a look. And I, I, I looked through it and I'm like, the art seems pretty decent. I'll pick it up. Five ninety nine I spent on this piece of garbage. Um, there's a Superman 80 page giant, I think coming out in February or March. Won't be purchasing that one. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can assure you, I won't be purchasing any more 80 page giants unless they're important. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I, I thumbed through it, and, and I, I was just like, nah, that, you know, there's not been enough Batman that I think is worth a damn lately that, that for me to pick it up, so I put it right back. Yeah, well, I recommend picking up Streets of Gotham. I really do. Uh, that that would be my Batman pick of the week. Or if you really want a good Batman title, I would pick up Vengeance of the Moon Knight from Marvel Comics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think issue four came out this week. It did, and... uh one of the things that is revealed this week in the book is that instead of a bat pole, uh, Moon Knight has in his home a great big slide that he uh, uses to get down to his uh, his you know Moon Knight warehouse or whatever that is at the at the at the bottom of his complex. His moon cave. Yeah, so he's got this moon slide, and I want a moon slide. <laughs> that sounds like a sexual thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it always about sex with you? <laughs> this is the Dr. Light episode. That's right. That's right. The old leering and, and you know, rapey Dr. Light episode. So uh, the Which one thing I had because we had a female on the show earlier. So I, you know, uh, she brings out the worst in you. Aaron. Yeah, clearly. Um, the, the thing <laughs> I noticed, I would never slide, uh, you know, uh, bare chested and bareback on, you know, down this thing and but you know moon knight he didn't have a problem with that he didn't have a problem you know going down the slide without uh his shirt on 
Well, you know, maybe the moon slide is properly lubed for such an event. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but other than the moon slide that you're fascinated with, I, I am what did you think of the book? I am absolutely fascinated by the moon slide. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I do have a complaint, though. And I know that surprises you to no end. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, my complaint is that the pacing of this book is, uh, or the pacing of this series, the story arc, mm-hmm. is so apparent and so predictably written for the trade. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, you know, they're, they're, you can tell they're saving the boss fight, you know, between Moon Knight and uh, uh, Bushman. Mm hmm. For issue six, because next week is going to be, you know, his fight, his fight with Scarecrow, which is, you know, the next big, the next biggest villain that we're seeing. And so, you know, this issue was getting rid of the mob. And so he's gotten rid of the mob. And now he's going to have his big next issue. He'll have his fight with Scarecrow and then wrap it all up with his big fight with Bushman. Mm-hmm. And I, it just seems rather by the numbers. Again. Really enjoying this book. I just don't care for how transparent some of the outline is. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I I will say it does feel a lot like that. Yeah. Um. You know, this you can tell this is a six issue miniseries. Well, it wasn't. It's it's obviously an ongoing. Right. But um, it's a six issue story arc. This is a six issue story arc. You know, I really am enjoying it though. Yeah. I really, really am. Um. You know, and we you know we we made the joke about how much it is like Batman. But damn it, this is a Batman book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. This is absolutely a Batman book. The moon, you know, what he does with the moon wing or the moon copter or whatever the hell that plane is called. Yeah. It's just like something you'd see the Batwing doing, you know, and he has Frenchie, his old pal Frenchie, who, you know, I would compare to like Batman's Alfred, even though he even though he has an Alfred, too. So, um, you know, it, it, it this is a Batman book through and through. Uh, but you know the art is is gorgeous. Yes, on it this is. Book. Yes, it is. Romo <clears throat> Pena is fantastic. Yeah, and and the covers, I'm really the Lanil Yu uh, cover is terrific. Yeah, you know, and you know, you know I I do like that. Uh, you know, Frenchie beat the guys uh, senseless with a stick, who were giving him some hell at the beginning of the book. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I again really like the book, but it's just it's a little transparent as far as you know how the story is structured. Yeah. The only thing I would say is for people who are looking to get into Vengeance of the Moon Knight, and I would highly recommend reading Vengeance of the Moon Knight, read the Moon Knight trade the bottom first. I absolutely agree. Because you have to know who these characters are, like Frenchie and Marlene, before you can understand what's going on in this book. Because if you, you know, if you don't know who Frenchie is, you don't know how big of a deal it is that he whooped some guy's asses right. at the beginning of this issue. Exactly. You know, you you know, that's the thing about Moon Knight, the bottom is it's called the bottom because it really is kind of like the lowest point in Moon Knight's career and seeing the transition to what he is now is, you know, it's more significant if you've read the bottom. I agree. But I'm still loving Moon Knight, you know, despite the fact that, yeah, it is, you know, it is a little bit by the numbers. I I am enjoying it. I I love the art and, you know. Having a villain called the Scarecrow in it, it just it, it, it really just cements this as a, a good Batman book. Yeah, I agree. So uh, another Marvel book that we have uh, been enjoying uh, is Dr. Voodoo, Avenger of the Supernatural, and issue number three came out this week. Indeed. What do you think, Paul? Um, <clears throat> I'm still liking the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to say, though, and it seems uh, it, it's at least happened – Literally in every appearance of Dr. Voodoo since he became the Sorcerer Supreme back in New Avengers, I mean, because it happened back then, he gets his ass kicked. Yeah. He he got his ass kicked in that book, and he needed the New Avengers and Dr. Strange to help him. He got his ass kicked in issue one of this series. He got his ass kicked in issue two of this series. And in issue three, again, he gets his ass kicked, and this time he's looking for the Avengers or Dr. Strange for help. Yeah. I mean, literally every appearance of Dr. Voodoo, <clears throat> he cannot handle on his own. Yeah. Um, and maybe the uh, maybe that's the point. The odds are that highly stacked against him. But after this, after this many times of seeing it happen, it just makes him look weak. You know, <clears throat> I'm really enjoying the art in the book and I, I'm enjoying the way Reminder is writing the characters and what what all. Mm-hmm. I really dislike Nightmare the, as a villain. I do, too. And 
So my opinion of this issue is colored by the fact that I really dislike the antagonist. Um, I enjoyed the appearance of the hood. You know, I, I enjoy Dr. Voodoo. I do have some issues, like you're saying, that he requires so much help to be able to resolve his business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it's fair for him not to be very good at this whole Sorcerer Supreme thing, being so new in the job. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm prepared to accept that arc of him getting better at this because, you know, Dr. Strange was Sorcerer Supreme for a great long time. You know, he had time to kind of grow in that role. Plus he had, you know, he was mentored by uh, the ancient one. Uh, Brother Voodoo didn't have that benefit. You know, he didn't, he was not as prepared to become Sorcerer Supreme as say Dr. Strange was. So uh, I, I, th- my my big issue in this book is nightmare. I just really hate this guy. <laughs> and you know, I will say that is one thing that I didn't care for in the art. Uh, Jeff Tay Paolo. Yeah. The way he draws nightmare, it, it's a little. I don't know. It doesn't seem. It's a little uneven. I think the hair. Mm-hmm. Nightmare's hair just looks like Ronald McDonald. Yeah. In fact, that's what nightmare looks like to me in this book. <clears throat> he looks like Ronald McDonald. Well, and isn't that horrific enough? It, very good point. Very good point. Nightmare will kill you with his double cheeseburgers. That's right. That's right. Over time. Over time. But your cholesterol through the roof. Mm, Poor Dr. Voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm liking it. I, in fact, I got to say the Jurjevic cover is beautiful on this book. I love the cover. Yeah. I really do. The cover is just just beautiful. Um, and the interior, the interior inks and colors are great. I just, I, I just want a villain that I like better than Nightmare. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I've hated Nightmare all along. I hate him in Doctor Strange stories too. Yeah, you know, and largely it's because I don't like those. You know, I'm in a dream. I'm in a nightmare. None of this is real. Blardy blar. You know, and that's a lot of what I dislike about it. Plus, I just don't like the the, the character design of Nightmare. Yeah, I think he, I think he's due for a redesign. I think yeah. he's been in pretty much the same costume for the last 20 years. Yeah. Longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, it's still a good book. I just, yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. <laughs> so any other books this week, Paul? No, it was, a, it was you know, I, I did spend more money this week, and I did read more books than that. Um, however, none of them struck me as worthy of actually talking about. Okay. None were either that good or that bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was overall an expensive yet mediocre week. <laughs> All right, then. Well, we've still got some contests going on. You're giving away Rassel. I am indeed. Uh, Rassel uh, is, you know, the way to enter the contest is to leave a comment on any of our episodes uh, this month uh, for the month of December at www.ideologyofmadness.com. Or to leave a uh, comment on our iTunes feed, which you can find by doing a search in the iTunes store for Ideology of Madness. Leave a comment on our ep- on one of our episodes. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us some feedback, some ideas for future episodes. We'd be happy to hear from you. And you will be automatically entered to win a signed copy of the Razzle hardcover um, by Jeff Smith. Most excellent. Most excellent. And you have something going on too, don't you? Yeah, we do. We're giving away uh, uh, five copies of the Malice hardcover, which uh, you'll be reviewing at some point in the future on the site. Uh, it's a beautiful book coming from uh, British writer Chris Wooding. Um, the uh, contest is being sponsored by Scholastic, who is also you know publishing and distributing the book. Um, all you got to do is go to the link in the show notes for the contest and make a comment on that blog article and let us know about the monster hiding under your bed. Like I said, uh, five people will win a copy of that book. So you know, it's a great contest. Yeah. And uh, in addition to our two contests, we've got lots of great stuff coming up. Yep. Including our Funny Book Awards 2009. That's right. We're going to be awarding uh, all kinds of categories out there for uh, like best comic, uh, best cover, uh, you know, best ongoing, best mini, best trade paperback. That's right. All sorts of, you know, the crap that you care about. Yeah, it's the first ever Funny Book Awards. So, you know, it'll be prestigious and, you know, it'll be just like, uh, you know, the Oscars. I mean, everyone's going to be dressing, you know, all the people will be there on the line. In fact, uh, there'll be coverage an hour before we actually uh, podcast of just people coming to the awards. 
Yeah. yeah, and Aaron will actually probably wear pants for that episode. Doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> we also have coming up an interview with several creators from Indie Comic Book Week. Indie Comic Book Week is, uh, I believe, uh, uh, the 30th. Yep, uh, it is the skip week, the yeah, 30th. That's right, where uh, DC and Marvel are each only releasing one new book that week. Uh, Blackest Night number six, I believe. And uh, Marvel's doing something around Siege. Yeah, a Siege <clears throat> prequel. Um, that will be a free giveaway, but yeah. uh, you know it's probably only about 10 to 12 pages of actual new material. Right. So uh, while there's all that vacancy out there in the store shelves, a number of indie creators have come along, and they are putting out uh, uh, a number of independently produced books during that week. And uh, we're going to have several of those guys on, including uh, Matthew Warlick and Jake Ekus and maybe one or two others. So uh, uh, tune in for that, and you'll see all that on the on the website here shortly. Fantastic. Right. Look at that. Well – this will be our last episode before Christmas, so uh, our, our last you know weekly episode before Christmas. So true. Uh, we we might have an. Are we going to have an interview drop? Maybe uh, we will have an interview drop on Wednesday. Jonathan Lincoln, the yeah. author of Tracker from Top Cow Comics, um, we are going to have an interview with him on Wednesday, which is also coincidentally or not um, the same day that Tracker Number Two hits store shelves. How convenient. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Paul, you have a Merry Christmas. You too, Aaron. You guys have a good one, and uh, you know, check back here for all kinds of more and interesting stuff before the end of the year. Bye. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. doesn't want to kick the tar out of an eighth grader.